0: Welcome to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Deep Dive, Emerald City Hockey's Seattle Kraken podcast. This is Dylan, Uh, even if my voice does sound a little funny right now as I'm still recovering from the tonsillectomy. I don't know, I can't hear it. I think I sound great, RJ, just like always. It's like Frank Sinatra or something.
1: Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I would. I Bing will Crosby say, Crosby, you're it, saying then? I I, I don't <laughs> know, but you know what? It is great to hear your voice again. I will say that much. Glad to have you back. I have missed you, Dylan.
0: Oh no, I I've really missed this. I'm super bummed that I haven't been able to be up there for for camp or anything. I've just been stuck, you know, following it all from from so far away. It feels like, but yes, yeah, so I'm I'm doing well. Uh, thanks to everybody for all the thoughts. Big thanks to everybody who reached out, um, you know, wishing me well in the recovery and everything. And then obviously, massive thank you to RJ for holding down the fort as training camp's kicked off here. And you know, you've done an incredible job of supporting me and also making. Making sure that uh, ECH has been doing a great job out there with all the coverage and everything that's been happening as we're rapidly approaching season three. Uh, Yeah, you know, you're doing great, man. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. That's that's nice to hear, Dylan. That's very very kind of you.
0: Yeah, Uh, so yeah, uh, tonsillectomy done. Uh, I guess just quick update on me for everybody because I hear everybody's been asking uh, and I've been getting lots of messages. everything went well. Uh, I'm 13 days out from the surgery now. Most of the scabs have fallen off. Uh, my voice is back just in the last couple of days so that we were able to do this. And yeah, I'm, I'm on to soft foods and I'm getting closer to 2000 calories a day. So yay. <laughs> That's, I'm telling you right now, the, the biggest problem through this whole thing, it was not the pain. I was able to manage the pain of everything just fine. It was the pain of having to watch all of the pizza and wings ads every Sunday, watching football or every hockey thing or whatever. That was by far and away the hardest part of this whole experience. Is just not been able, not being able to eat food, R.J. Boy, it's it's something you miss when you don't have it. Can you believe that? I know something we definitely take for granted, uh, being able to eat
1: food. But yeah, I've I've really been feeling for you over these last two weeks.
0: Yeah, but you know what? I'm I'm feeling better, and in fact, I think I'm just about healthy enough to enjoy one of those awesome big warm german pretzels from queen anne <laughs> beer hall as we th- go into the the segue into the sponsor thank you so much queen Anne beer hall for sponsoring the podcast as always yeah i think i think i'm just about there RJ. i think i could handle one of those the salt might be an issue oh,
1: yeah de- definitely <laughs> i you know what i think your voice isn't quite 100 yet your segue game has not dropped off <laughs> in the slightest
0: yep nope nope and um you actually have uh some news about the beer hall uh and what's going to be taking place a little later on in this podcast
1: That's right. So um, for this episode, we have some special guests later on after we talk about the Kraken and some training camp stuff. We've got uh, actually owners of the beer hall, uh, Justin and Gary, they would talk to me about uh, the beer hall, the story kind of behind the hall and the Seattle sports community too. They've got a really unique Uh, take and perspective on really everything that's happened in Seattle sports over the last few years including the whole progression of the Kraken coming to town Uh, and they've got some really good stories there so stick around uh, listen to that Um, also they've got uh, Oktoberfest coming up opening ceremony Wednesday night the 27th and they have a very special guest will be coming to MC the opening ceremony so uh keep listening later on in the pod you'll find
0: out who and uh what he might be wearing oh, 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 oh. and I'm, I'm sure it's it's going to take a large you know leap for people to try to guess who that person might be as they listen to the seattle kraken podcast <laughs> you'll never guess who you'll it, it is never guess who will be going to the german beer hall um yeah, so that that's all good. But uh, before that, we got to talk about training camp because training camp started. I mean, last time everybody was listening, it was the day before my surgery. And wouldn't you know it, RJ, just like we predicted as I was sitting in the pre-op room, I already had the IV in. I get the email from Kraken PR with the training camp schedule. Uh, it was just absolutely perfect. Um but yeah, so training camp started, rookie camps happened, I, tonight is the first preseason games, we're recording this before the preseason games have happened, uh, season is back, like, like things are here, things are happening RJ, and you've been able to be up there for everything, so uh, I'll just kind of interview you a little bit about everything that's been going on up there, because I've i've been forced to miss it all out i want to hear and i'm sure everybody uh does as well uh real quick though just want to shout out to our photographer jen i'll be putting on the video edition of this podcast a bunch of pictures from training camp that she's taken so i just want to say quick thank you to jen for all the awesome picks and then rj as we get into things i mean we had we had rookie camp we've had training camp now first thing that i always think of when it comes to training camp is training camp battles Right. I want to know about the roster battles, the, the guys battling for those final spots on the roster. That's what you know, I always get excited about every year. So what's the latest as far as like kind of camp battles go from, from what you've been able to see?
1: Right. Well, I think we all want to know about the training camp battles and and there are some very interesting ones uh, this season, right? With the fourth line, certainly going to look very different with who's gone, uh, the backup goaltender battle as well. And so that's something that I really wanted to ask Dave Haxtell about very early on. Like, what are you looking at from these players? Uh, What role do you want the fourth line to have? It's something we discussed in the last podcast. You know, what are you looking at from these backup goalie, goalie battles? Like, are you looking at the preseason games? Are you, are you looking at, you know, how they're doing in practice and everything and I will say he he didn't give out a whole lot you know he, he basically said it's too early to tell and and for the fourth line as far as what their role is going to be he said well it de- depends who's there it depends who earns those spots and what they can do um so I, I think at this point in camp He's still waiting to get that input to get that results those results from guys as they go out and try and prove themselves and um, they all play different games certainly when we're talking about whether it's the fourth line or maybe the depth defenseman you know they all have a different style of game and I think he's just waiting to see how they show up and and earn that opportunity especially starting in the preseason games I know nothing super interesting on that right now. Um, and and uh, as far as the backup goalie battle too, I did ask like how do you evaluate that? What are you looking for? And he's like, well, you know, it's a it's a mix of the of the preseason games and and in practice. You know, I, I feel like he just wanted to say, you know, they stop the puck. You know, who yeah. stops the puck more, right? Um, but it is something I did confirm that you know goalie coach Steve Brier is going to weigh in heavily on, of course, um, and so he'll he'll lean on him for some guidance there as well.
0: All right. So, you know, maybe it's a little early for the camp battles pre preseason. I guess that's that was a little over ambitious of me. But again, I've been I've been stuck <laughs> far away from everything. Uh, what about line combos? That's something that you should have had a little bit of an idea about now uh, with training camp having been going for about a week now. What kind of line combinations are we seeing? Because obviously you've got a ton of prospects at camp right now. You've got all the new additions from this past offseason. We've got Berkey coming back. Like what, what kinds of things are are we we seeing from Hackstall there?
1: Right, so I can give you a little bit better of an answer as far as the line combos. we have gotten a little bit more clarity on that. And of course, I want to give the normal caveat that preseason line combos don't necessarily mean anything. I think we might have mentioned that last podcast that Hackstall's going to want to throw different things at the wall and see what sticks. And I think that starts with some of these preseason games coming up. But it does give you a bit of a hint of where his mind is at. I think there are certain combos you can't really read into, but others that you can a little bit more. And the first one I want to mention is... The first line from last season, McCann, Beniers, Eberle, those three have been together all training camp from the very start, have never been separated. It looks like they're going to be a line for the first preseason game tonight as well. I think Haxtall pretty clearly wants that to be his top line.
0: All right. Well, that makes sense, right? I mean, they were a dominant force together uh, while they were playing. I mean, McCann went to a 40-goal season. Matty Beniers was really coming into his own, so that's not too surprising. What about some of the other lines we saw last season, right? Like I I mean I think of, you know, the Yanni Gord line with Tolvenin and Bjorkstrand, are we seeing that one, the second line with Wenberg, are, are those ones staying together or we, is it kind of just that first line?
1: No, those actually have been broken up just a little bit. So, um the Gord line, I know the, the Gord, Tolvin, and Bjorkstrand line that we were all big fans of has been broken up at least temporarily, right? And it's still early. But Ellie Tolvenen has kind of been taken off that line. Gordon and Bjorkstrand uh, have stayed together, but they've kind of rotated other guys through there. Um, and then also we're seeing the second line, if you want to call it that, the Wenberg line. He's been playing with uh, Andre Burakovsky and Jaden Schwartz, which we did see last season a lot. So that appears to have stuck. Um, but Tolvenen has moved off the gourd line and you know what i think it's really interesting where they put him instead okay tell so, us then <laughs> <laughs> right all right i'll i'll uh I'll, i won't leave you in suspense any longer so this line i think is probably the most interesting forward line combination that i've seen so far at camp and that is ellie tolvin at left wing shane Wright at center and kyler yamamoto at right wing so dylan doesn't doesn't that just on the surface sound really fun
0: that sounds like the most fun line that you could probably put together given everybody who's there at that camp actually like that that line just must be something to watch
1: and and we've questioned right if is shane right if he makes the roster right is he either gonna have to bump up mm-hmm. to the third line or are they gonna put him on a, on a fourth line what does that look like are they gonna kind of put him with some grinders there um but this line i think if you want shane right around and you want him easing in into a spot maybe in the fourth line This is how you do it, I think, with an Ellie Tolvin and with a Kyler Yamamoto, a a line that has a ton of skill. And if you're giving them matchups against other teams' fourth lines, I mean, I think they can skate circles around them. Somebody asked me on Twitter, okay, well, how did that line look? And I just said, fast. I mean, Mm -hmm. they they looked really fast and and skilled, and it's a line that I think could definitely outcompete other fourth lines. We'll see how it looks tonight. I think that's how the line rushes were going tonight, so we'll see uh, how that looks against the Calgary Flames, but I'm kind of rooting for that line to stick together.
0: I really like that. The idea of that line, and I'm just thinking about it from like, all oh, their playing styles, and yes, it is very much of a, a skill based line, very much a speed based line, and I think that that does work really well for Shane Wright. I mean, we know what he can do kind of defensively, and and the 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 way he worked on so much of that during his major junior career. But I think of what he did with the Firebirds, the the first stint he had with the Firebirds, not the playoff run, but those that first group of games that he had way back last, you know, early last season. And I think about how when he was playing in that top six role and they wanted him to develop his offensive game, how much he loved to attack in transition. And I'm thinking about him with Tolvanen or Yamamoto, and I'm just like, those guys can totally help him do that. Right. They can help him attack in transition. And then once they're in the offensive zone, we all know where Shane Wright likes to play. Right. He likes to kind of be a little bit net front. He likes to find little gaps. You think about the first goal he scored against the Montreal Canadiens and really all three potential goals he could have had in that first period. They were all the same thing of him just getting open, kind of net front, the low slot, and then somebody from below the goal line getting the puck out to him. And I'm just thinking like that's I mean, both of those guys could do that expertly, right? Like if they got some sort of three man cycle game going, that thing could be so deadly
1: absolutely and we kind of saw that a little bit they've been doing scrimmages in between kind of each session of camp and i really like being able to see them in that game type situation working together and it's also something that Hackstall talked about keeping that competitive level really high and these aren't just you know low effort scrimmages these aren't captain skates guys are finishing their checks in these scrimmages and that's part of that intensity level that haxtell wants to bring um but seeing them all kind of work together i've seen that in the game situation basically what you're talking about i would have thought that you'd have already Seen the scrimmages basically given what you're illustrating, right? Because I've seen that happen in front of me already with that line,
0: yeah. Um, and just to be clear, this is my first time hearing all this info, everybody. (laughs) It's he's not feeding me anything. (laughs) Um,
1: I'm filling in Dylan as, as you all are hearing it as well,
0: yeah. So I, I love the idea of that line, but that does kind of you know leave some questions for me as for. The other idea of what a fourth line is, and this is something that we've talked about the last couple of weeks as well, or going back to when we were building out lines, and that would be some sort of fourth line that Hackstall seemingly wanted last year, which was maybe a little bit more physical, a little bit more of a grinding line. Um, I'm thinking about names like Brandon Tanner Belmar, John Hayden. Is, is there another line that's maybe more those kinds of guys out there doing things or, or does it seem like this right line might be the fourth line?
1: for right now it seems like the right line because when you look at where those other guys are so Tanev has actually been playing with Gordon Bjorkstrand on that third line so that's kind of the the element that they've thrown in there with Gordon Bjorkstrand okay. instead of Tolvin, and, and he's been doing that job maybe turning it into a little bit more of a grinding line than a, than a mm-hmm. scoring line which it had been um, but look it can do both right but as far as like Belmar Hayden even a Cole Lind those guys or Ty Karchi those guys yeah. have been paired with Prospects or AHLers. The line that I've seen with Belmar so far, he's been with uh, Edward chalet and uh, and and Cameron Hughes. So you mm-hmm. know, those are two guys who will not be on the crack in this season, right? right. Uh, Hughes is going to start the year with the Firebirds, and and Edward chalet is going to be with the Barry Colts and the OHL. Now, in Belmar's case, I don't think you can really read into that of him being outside the roster bubble just because i'll talk about him a little bit later but the leadership qualities the personality that is the guy i want to see on a line with edward chalet for as long as Chalet's in camp that's the veteran i want to attach him to to get him more comfortable with everything so i don't think you can read into that too much but uh tai uh, at least today he's on a line with uh, carson Raykop and cole lind so you know, that that's one where, I mean, Rakoff is going to be in junior, but mm-hmm. Karche and Lynn together. I mean, that's something we've seen with the firebirds. So, you know, that might be the more the direction that's going. Um, And then John Hayden, uh, he's on a line with Logan Morrison and Vili Petman, so that's you know that that looks like a potential AHL line there as well. And we do have the Firebirds coaching staff, by the way. Uh, Dan and Jess have been working with the players a lot too, so sometimes they've been uh, kind of working with those lines that you know it might be in Firebirds training camp. So I, I think right now they're trying to give Shane Wright the opportunity to earn that spot and have the fourth line look like that.
0: Very interesting. Very interesting. That's I mean that was one of the biggest things I feel like. Uh, everybody was looking forward to once training camp got underway was seeing where Shane Wright was going to fit in and obviously the big the big thing that's going to determine a lot of this is how they perform during the preseason which of course kicks off tonight uh, and we'll have a better idea of things there Um, so if that's if that's kind of what the lines have been what have been the players that have stood out to you throughout this training camp process so far?
1: Right. So as far as players st- standing out, I, I just mentioned pierre Edward Belmar and yeah. I, I have to talk about him um, because more off the ice as well. But on the ice, off the ice, both, he has stood out to me. Um, first of all, Kraken fans, you are absolutely going to love him. Big personality, really funny guy. He's going to be a joy to cover all season. And I, I put on Twitter a couple uh video clips from his presser, uh, you know, how he greeted us. Good morning, everybody. And, and running out, oh, God, run out, you know, really fun stuff. But I, I think you see instantly the value in bringing a guy like that into the team. Um, today, he stayed out really late after practice. He was the last guy off the ice. And you know what he was doing? He was working with younger players on face-offs. Oh, Matty Beniers, to start, worked with Beniers on faceoffs And again, um, Belmar is... Uh, I forget, do you remember offhand what his career faceoff percentage is? But it's very high.
0: It was very high. I mean, he had some seasons pushing 60%, so... Yeah.
1: But you had, you had younger guys kind of lining up to try and learn tips and tricks from him. Uh, you had David Goyette spending a bunch of time with him. You had Tucker Robertson kind of getting in line behind Goyette, trying to uh, overhear some of those tips and, and practice face-offs with Pierre-Edouard Belmar. So I, I think you know, on the ice, he's going to do what he does. He's going to be a really solid fourth line option, uh, but off the ice, the, the leadership is there and, and, you know, he wants to take guys under his wing. So that's going to be huge for the crack in this season. And so he's stood out to me. I mean, how, how could, how could he not stand out? Yeah. Right. Um, so that's been the first player that I think of um, also uh, Ellie Tolvanen, you know, Dylan, I, you talked about moving him off the goal line. You talked about even having him as a healthy scratch potentially. I don't know. I We don't know if he listens to the podcast or not. Probably not, but maybe he does. And maybe you lit a little fire under him because in those scrimmages, in those game type situations, I think he's looked the best out of any Kraken forward, really, uh, most consistently. I mean, maybe it's that he's trying that extra little bit harder. You know, it, it guys aren't maybe necessarily going 100% in these scrimmages, but he has had some highlight real plays, uh, both on offense and defense. And he's just looked really solid and kind of re energized being on a new line.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, hey, that was just my plan all along. You know, that's that's why I did that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, th- hey, look, I got to think that for him, you know, it's you, you'd view any sort of situation like this as an opportunity. Right. Especially given you know how he came to the Kraken as somebody who's being waived and all of that. And I got to think it sounds like what they want to do with that Shane Wright line of having it be more of like a, a fast and skill and scoring type line. I know he got to do a lot of that on the Yanni Gord line, having a line mate like Bjorkstrand, but we talked about it a lot through last season. Bjorkstrand's very much of an East West kind of player. 12 and in maybe isn't always that kind of guy maybe he feels you know a little different being matched up with with a guy like Shane Wright hey look here's this rookie really high draft pick someone that they very much want to build the future around and hey they want to maybe start him off on a line with me if I can develop chemistry with him that's the path to a long-term you know future here in seattle kind of thing right like you never know what could be going on in his head in that sort of situation but i think anytime you do get moved off of a line you do want to kind of you know put your best foot forward with your new line mates try to develop chemistry try to you know show the coaching staff whatever it is that they were hoping to get out of that group that they've put together you you know you want to go out there and do that it sounds like that's what he's doing
1: yeah. Now one more guy I want to talk about who's uh, stood out to me uh, one, because I, I guess I kind of had an eye on him from the start is Andre Burakovsky. And of course, coming off that season ending groin injury, having surgery in the off season, I was curious how he was going to look coming back from that injury. And uh, in the first day of camp, I will say he looked hesitant. He, he did not look like he was kind of chasing pucks hundred percent. He looked a little bit worried about how that groin was doing. He was hunched over a lot. And so I had a little bit of concern after day one, day two, he looked amazing. I mean, you look at the scrimmages, it was kind of night and day. It seemed like he finally felt the green light, like, okay, I can go for it now. That first day is over. Everything held up. All right. And uh, he was dangling around guys. I, I forgot. You know, just how skilled he was because we haven't seen him for so many months. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, But yeah, he was just making highlight real play after highlight real play and, and clearly one of the most skilled players out there. So he's going to add such an element back to this team that that really I kind of forgot that he had. Um, But making passes across the slot, too. That was the other thing. You saw the vision and that was there actually from day one. Uh The skating just kind of wasn't there to match it. But when everything came together, Burakovsky looked great.
0: Yeah, no, that is fantastic to hear. I know that that's, you know, been one of the big offseason stories. Everybody was waiting for training camp to see how he would be, you know, and who knows? They might have told him day one, hey, don't push it, you know, don't don't go out there and, and do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they reevaluated him and you never know. Um, But it sounds like, yeah, everybody's looking good heading into these first preseason games. I'm super excited to see how they all look. We talked about a lot of guys, though, that are NHL veterans there and one of the big other aspects of camp and you touched on some of the lines earlier would be the prospects that are there and I think that that's a big part of it we talked a little bit about Shane Wright I don't know if you have more that you want to talk about with him but you know what about other guys up there I mean you know you talked about Chalet being there we know Jagger Furcus is there Ty Nelson Riker Evans like there's there's a lot of big time Kraken prospects there how have they all been looking
1: Right, so we'll kind of go a little rapid fire on the prospects because I want to kind of touch on everybody just a little bit. I'll start with a little bit more on Shane Wright. Um, he's just kind of been workmanlike. That's that's the word I would use to describe it, right? Nothing super flashy, nothing jumping off the page at me, but doing everything really solidly. So I'm interested to see how he looks in these preseason games because, I mean, in training camp, he's just kind of been putting in the work. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, Riker Evans, he's looked he's looked pretty good. I mean, he's, he's stood out at times uh, with being able to body guys out, uh, surprisingly well, given his size, um, you know, puck possession, moving the puck, all that kind of thing, you know, that we know that he's good at, right. Mm -hmm. Um, he's had a really solid training camp. I still don't think the path is there for him as long as everybody's healthy. Um, but he's doing what he can to try and, and force the issue. Um, Let's see, Ty Cartier, uh, another one I was interested mm-hmm. to look at. He kind of looks like he did at the end of last season. Um, you know, he's, he's got that big body that he's used a lot in the scrimmages. His shot still looks good. He was working on his shot a lot today after practice, too. And um, I mean, he can rip it, especially from close range. He can pick those spots really well. I know we kind of knew that about him, but it's those things you get reminded of every year in camp, right? Um, let's see, uh, who else? Uh, Ryan Winterton. Oh, he yeah. He looks impressive. Yeah, I know he's not a name that you that you mentioned, but he is someone that's kind of jumped out the page at me a few times. Um, just with his his size and skill combination, um, I think he's going to translate really well to the pro game. I, it just his his shot is sneaky good. I mean, well, not not even sneaky, really. If you watch the yeah. OHL, his shot is just very good. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's done a really good job with body positioning as well uh, in those scrimmages and everything. I was interested to see how he did against some bigger players. And even though I did post that video of him getting just totally bodied out by Adam Larson, um, you know, Larson's going to make a lot of guys, even mm-hmm. even established NHLers look bad there. Um, but Winterson still gave it a good effort. Um, on defense let's see ty nelson um i mean he, he's ty nelson like he he looks the exact same right he's built like a fire hydrant guys aren't getting around him. he's got that bomb of a shot just such a heavy shot uh you know that we've come to know from him and he seems really confident too that's like he doesn't look out of place he doesn't look like one of the younger guys um you know he's just been solid of course he's going to need you know a couple more years before he, he gets up to this level but uh, and working on the transitioning too like you know skating backwards to kind of turning with a forward that still needs a little bit of work but um you know give him some time with with jess campbell and dan miles but i'm sure they'll they'll uh fix that right up um another young player that stood out to me uh villi mm. so he is a giant I, I don't think he looked this gigantic two years ago when he was in camp, right? He must have grown another inch or two, but he is just towering over everybody out there. Um, I mean, you know, everybody except Alexiak, but having him against some of the, you know, some of the younger players too being in that group, i mean he just towers over them i think he still needs to develop a little bit more of a mean streak i know it's just practice and everything i want to mm-hmm. see how he does in a game but he has had a few plays where guys have kind of snuck to the inside against him and able to tap some pucks home where you know he has the size to make that impossible mm-hmm. um so we'll see how he does in game situations but he's someone i've noticed um circling back to edward chalet um he's he's looked okay i mean look i i know after um Dev Camp, he said, you know, not not the best, right? As far as his performance, I think he is still settling in a little bit, and you are seeing the progression from day to day in camp. But I think he just needs a little bit more time. The skill is there, the skill is apparent. I just think there's a comfort level, and it's it's tough too because he was in Barry Colts training camp and having the preseason with them, then gets ripped away from that and brought here. I, I just think there's a, a little bit more comfort he needs to develop, and I think having Pierre Edward Belmar, uh, right, you know, centering his yeah. line. That is absolutely the way to do it. I think that tells you the team knows as well that he's just kind of got to settle in there a little bit more. Yeah, I've been talking so long. Anything to add for any of these guys?
0: No, I mean, just with Shiley there, I, I had talked about it on Discord. I thought that there was a chance that they might not even bring him into camp just because, you know, him coming over to North America for the first time, getting used to the North American style of game. He was settling in it seemed like through the preseason with Barry very nicely he was putting up good numbers he was winning face-offs most important thing I loved I think in his first game he won 12 of 15 face-offs I was like that's all I need to see Um, but I was a little surprised that they actually kind of pulled him out of that situation I thought they there might be a chance that they would just go ahead and keep him there let him get comfortable in North America let him get comfortable with his new team I do get the value of having him around for an NHL training camp especially because next year you're expecting him to maybe start pushing towards having a roster spot even if he's more likely two years out um but yeah i mean i I thought all along that that might be something they would consider obviously they brought him to camp and and yeah just i think it's going to take time for him to adjust to north america and, and everything that that involves both on and off the ice pretty unsurprising there um what about you know fan favorites uh and i know you got a little bit of an interview in with him jagger Furcus.
1: Right. So uh Jagger Furcus, it's good to see him back at camp. Uh he did get a haircut. Uh, so I know some okay. fans may be, you know, not not too happy about that. You know, the the long uh, orange mane is gone, but uh yeah, hair a little bit shorter. But no, Jagger Furcus very much looks like himself. Um, you know, I, I think still needs a little bit of work, you know, trying to win those board battles. And like, look, it's it's kind of the same story there. I, I don't think I, I haven't seen him win a board battle since last year's training camp, probably. Um, but uh, you know, he's he's still working on it one thing i want to see too is I, i've watched a lot of kyler yamamoto too since he's one of the newer players coming to the team mm-hmm. and I, I think furcus could learn a lot from him similar size similar builds right mm-hmm. but the difference in body position when you go into any kind of battle is just so clear yamamoto really good at protecting the puck with his body making sure that that his whole body is in between the puck and the player trying to attack him whenever he's approaching contact and with jagger furcus it's it's just not there yet he he'll go into corners with his chest facing the opponent. Right. And they're able to separate the man from the puck too easily. Um, so I think that's an area to work on. Um, but uh, so that's the one thing I wanted to cover too. Cause I, didn't really ask him about that during the interview. I I wanted to be the one interview that didn't ask him about his weight yet again and all that kind of thing, but that's an area for improvement. But I think that'll happen as he gets toward the pro level. He's got one more season in moose jaw where look, realistically, he can kind of get away with that down there. Um, you know, with, with playing uh, board battles that way, but you know, that, that'll come in time. But the thing I've been really impressed with Jagger Furcus, though is, is the shooting. And I know that's been his strong suit for a while. Um, but the way that he is changing up his shooting angle, I mean, it's it's beyond what he's been doing the last couple of years. You can tell it's something that he's been working on. I wanna almost, it's a shame I can't on the video version just like fully demonstrate this with a hockey stick and everything. But he was on a breakaway the other day. He, he had a pass that sprung him for a breakaway and he kept the puck so far out in front of him, like dead center in front of him, not to his side, hmm. not like uh, winding up for a shot or everything. And it, like almost like he might go to his backhand or something. And then in just the blink of an eye, brought it into his side and really close to his skates and had this really quick snap release that just totally fooled. I think it was Grubauer in the net and and Grubauer had no chance, put it right under the bar. And I just that's, that's an NHL level release right there and disguising the shot. Like that's something you only see from a handful of NHLers and Jagger Furcus is able to do that right now. Um, so that's the thing that continues to stand out to me is that shot. It is just so lethal. It's been beating NHL caliber goalies. It's been beating Grubauer. It's been beating Drieger. It's been beating Decord cord uh, pretty consistently. You know, it's just those same things he needs to work on.
0: Yeah. I mean, Hey, we talked about that going back to the draft that the Kraken got him. If if he, was just a couple inches taller 10 15 pounds heavier he would have been a first round pick right like everybody knows that it's always just been that size uh concern with him but yeah it's (sighs) <sighs> that shot he has is is really something you you watch any Moose Jaw Warriors game you're going to see that shot and it's it's there it's it's something to to behold um and and we have the the audio of your interview with him that we'll also throw in uh to this podcast here as well coming up um all right. I mean, I guess before we get to the interviews both with Jagger Ferguson and with the with the Beer Hall RJ, is there anything else that you want to talk about uh from camp there before we get to the, you know, preseason games and everything that we'll break down next week?
1: Yeah, so we talked a lot about forwards. I feel like I didn't cover defense or, or goalies mm-hmm. quite enough, so I'll, I'll add a little bit there. Um as far as like D pairs that we've seen, Dunn Larson is stuck together, of course. By the way, Dylan Adam Larson has looked Amazing. He is he is looking probably the most prepared, I'd say, of any of the defensemen in camp. Um, you know, he is in midseason form already. So I, I know you're not surprised by that knowledge, but I figured I'd throw that in for you anyway. Yeah, looks great. Still love to hear it. Still
0: love to hear it.
1: Yep. And then as far as our question from last or a couple of weeks ago, I guess about, you know, the, the D pairs below that, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Hackstall looks like he's been trying it both ways. Um, I've I've seen Dumoulin Schultz and Borgen Alexiak. I've seen uh, Dumoulin um Dumoulin, uh, Borgan, sorry, Dumoulin, Borgen, and then, um, Alexiak and Schultz. then Alexiak Schultz. Yeah. So I've seen both of those combinations as well. And then more recently, he's split them up, uh, in, entirely like Dumoulin with Ty Nelson, which I think will be good for this stage of camp, you know, having Ty okay. Nelson with a veteran like that. Um, and then, um, having. Uh, yeah, no lexiak and uh, and Schultz aren't gonna play today, but that's kind of what he's done is he's broken that up uh, for the time being. And then goalie, you know, we know it's the the big goalie competition and and uh, for the backup spot with Chris Drieger and Joey Decord. Um, it's been interesting. They've had they had the scrimmages for the first two days, right? And the first day, it was a one to nothing scrimmage like it was it was a full two periods you know 20 minutes each right and and both goalies looked really solid and it was a good bounce back from drieger also because in the practice portion of of um of camp he was he was pretty shaky i i think they we counted around here um uh, our, our buddy Zaym i think counted he he missed 11 straight shots 11 straight shots went in on him i don't think i've seen that before no but, but I, it was the kind of thing where it was enough like, okay, we, you start counting, right? Yeah it was it was pretty darn rough. but he has bounced back pretty well after that. The two scrimmages in the last two days, he's looked pretty solid. Um, so that's really good to see. And then Joey Decord. I mean, he had the the shutout in the scrimmage, and he has just looked really, really good from from start to now of camp. He is ready to come and take that backup job. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. He'll play tonight. So will Drieger. Um, You know, all four goalies that are that are dressed will have a chance to play some hockey tonight. Um, so, I think that that'll be really interesting to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm uh, both with the defensive pairings, and then obviously for that backup job in net these preseason games are going to tell us a lot and i'm sure the later preseason games as far as defensive pairings go will probably tell us a little bit more as more and more guys to get sent back to junior or get you know assigned to the hl all that kind of stuff as camp gets going um so yeah we'll just have to kind of wait and see there with with what the defensive combos end up looking like but oh i'm just so excited to have kraken hockey back rj i mean we're gonna to get to like see game action tonight like that's awesome i know Only five hours away from from right now as we're
1: recording this. Uh, I'm so excited to go back to Climate Pledge and, and see a game there.
0: Yep. No. So next week on the podcast we'll break down, you know, preseason action, obviously more more news and notes and stories from camp and everything with RJ. Hopefully my voice will be a little bit better than it is now. It should be uh better by then. Um so thanks everybody for joining us for this podcast, and then uh, I'll hand it off to past RJ interviewing Jagger Fergus here and then the interview with the beer hall after that. Thanks everybody for joining us and we'll see y'all next time.
1: All right, so I'm here with Jagger Ferkus after day two of rookie camp, second rookie camp. I mean, how does it feel this year kind of compared to last year coming in?
2: Yeah, it's obviously it's a great time every time you get down to Seattle. and get to see all the guys and all the other prospects, especially going into main camp now. Rookie camp kind of is over now, so it's, things are going to get turned up a bit more serious and a bit more, I guess, exciting. And it's going to be pretty, pretty cool coming into my second camp here.
1: So one of the first things I heard the fans noticed is you got a haircut this year. Um, You know, how's it feeling with the short hair? Feel faster out there?
2: Yeah, I mean, it changed up a little bit. I guess I snipped off. It wasn't the plan wasn't good to go this short, but it happened. So it's whatever. It'll come back. Wasn't the plan, huh? No, it wasn't. Sometimes it works out like that. So speaking of the fans I
1: mean you've been kind of a fan favorite you know here in Moose Jaw and now here in Seattle also like is that something you're aware of something you see on social media um, you know the fans really have taken a liking to you here.
2: Oh uh, no I really haven't obviously I'm super grateful for that though I think uh, I try to be my best guy I try to be myself so I think that could be a reason why and I think it's it's super awesome that I get to get to hold that I guess. So coming into camp this year, what are you hoping to
1: get out of it personally, you know, these couple weeks before you head back to to Moose Jaw?
2: I think obviously it's my second camp now. I I got my contract, so I got to show that I deserved it. And it's going back into junior this year. I just want to be ready. I want to make sure that I know what's coming next year or the year after in pro. And I think uh, that's the biggest thing for me is take away what it takes and what it means to be a pro.
1: What's the expectations for your final season in Moose Jaw?
2: I think we're going to have a strong team in Moose Jaw. I think we should have a good season, so I think uh, it'll be exciting, and I'm, I'm excited to get it going there, yeah. What do you want to per-
1: work on personally, skill-wise, to kind of get ready for the pro level maybe next year?
2: I think just compete. That's really all you can do at the next level. You can tell even at these camps how hard everyone competes, so that's one thing. I think I'm a good competitor, but I think every single day in practice in Moose Jaw, whether I'm tired or not, i got to make sure I'm competing my best and my hardest
1: one of the things that really stands out is your shot I think um, you have a lot of different angles you can release from different shots that you can throw at a goalie like of all your shots like which one do you think is your greatest strength and then also like kind of what looks would you want to maybe look at and get
2: better yeah I, my greatest one would be my able to pull it in and kind of change the angle on the goalie I think one I kind of want to work on is it's it's really just backhand before and you jump into a shot it's a hard shot to kind of get down but at the next level you can tell a lot of the great goal scorers in the nhl they all have it so that's something that i want to keep working on
1: sounds good um so last year i actually i ran into your mom and your aunt here who were there watching uh training camp and everything i had the chance to talk with them a little bit um you know it was like a year ago so i'm trying to remember kind of how those conversations went but they told me you like seattle the bigger city i remember they say oh jag's a city kid now yeah.
2: yeah i think obviously i came from such a small town it's, it's a lot different being in big cities but I have no problem with big cities, I, I enjoy kind of being busy, I like the busy atmosphere around me, so I, I enjoy it here a lot.
1: You talked about coming from a small town, I Are mean, you from Irma, Alberta, really small, but of course like an NHL factory, I mean, what what's the secret? Is there something in the water?
2: Uh, I think it's just everyone's so competitive, I think that's where my competitive nature came from too, is from the moment you start playing sports when you're a young kid, you just want to win and you want to be the best player you can be, and I think that's kind of what happens in Irma, is you all push each other and then next thing you know you have a couple of NHL players and you have a couple of NHL prospects coming from the town too.
1: And of course being kind of so remote right, I mean I, I heard from your mom and your aunt that they drive like 6 hours to go see your games in Moose Jaw?
2: Yeah, I have a pretty crazy family, they're they're <laughs> so supportive I'm super thankful for what they do. and how much how much they come and watch me, and they enjoy it as well, so I'm happy that I can put on a show where they can enjoy it.
1: And I heard on the flip side of that, of course, they, they miss you at home sometimes. Maybe you can help me fill in the gaps here, because it was a year ago. I'm trying to remember the story. They mentioned there was some school dance that you had to miss, and they brought like a little cutout or a picture of it or something. Do you know about that?
2: It was at, it was my brother's wedding. I brother's wedding? Yeah, it was my brother's wedding. I missed it for a World Junior Camp, and they put up little cutouts of me <laughs> at the wedding, because obviously It was most of my family at the wedding, so I couldn't be there, which was unfortunate. But they put a little cutout, so I got lots of pictures from my family hanging out with me, I guess, a little bit. So it meant a lot. That's great. I'm sure they missed you.
1: Um, Anyway, thank you for joining me here, Jagger, and uh, good luck the rest of camp.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Hi, everyone. It's RJ here with a bonus episode of the Deep Dive podcast. So as you may know, Dylan is out of action right now, recovering from tonsil surgery. But while we won't have Dylan here today, I am joined by two very special guests, Justin Andrews and Gary Zaretti, two owners of the Queen Anne Beer Hall. Now, if you're a member of the ECH community, you will no doubt recognize Queen Anne Beer Hall. They were the primary sponsor of Emerald City Hockey all of last season. We've been telling you all about the hall and why it is such a great place to go watch a Kraken game. But I thought it'd be a good idea to let everyone get to meet the guys behind the beer hall. They have a unique perspective on the Kraken story and really the Seattle sports scene in general, which we'll talk about in a little bit but they're also a big part of the ECH community. Last year, before all the playoff success, all the excitement that was built over the last 12 months, Dylan and I were looking for local businesses that believed in what we were doing and were willing to partner with us to allow ECH to keep running for another season. And these guys at the Hall were the very first to take that leap with us. They believed in what we were doing, even though there wasn't really any on-ice success to back us up at that point. So we're super grateful for that. And we're excited to announce we'll be working with them for another season of Awesome Kraken Hockey this year. But anyway, I've had you guys wait long enough. Justin, Gary, how are you doing?
3: Good, buddy. How are you, man? Doing great.
1: Doing great. Glad to hear it. Now, I want to talk about your background with the hall a little bit and what better place to start than the beginning, right? So how did you guys meet and start your journey with the beer hall? And also, I mean, you started at a very interesting time during a pandemic. I mean, what was it like starting operating a bar and restaurant during a pandemic?
3: Yeah, great question. And, and, and I, I guess I wouldn't, it, w- it would be remiss not to say it's, it's been a great partnership with you so far. Uh, love getting to know you, love being part of the community. Uh, your, your, uh, the, your followers are amazing and uh, it's brought a lot of support to the beer hall. So thank you for that. And thanks to all you listeners out there. You guys are amazing. Keep coming. We love you. Um, so Gary and I actually strangely met many, many years ago, Um, And it was it was very uh, unmemorable meeting that we had, but it was through a a, a mutual friend family member. And uh, fast forward a few years uh, in the middle of the pandemic, the Queen Anne Beer Hall was was under duress um, due to the market conditions and a number of other things. And we had an opportunity to step in and take ownership. Um, That being said, uh, you know, my, my day job is something totally different. I'm not a restaurateur. Uh, I needed to find the right person, right partner, and uh, and I looked no further than to Mr. Gary's already and reached out to him. Uh, we've had a, a number of conversations, and uh, you know, after uh, twisting his arm a little bit, you know, coaxed him into into partnering with me here. And I'm I'm sure his his version might be a little bit different, but uh, at the end of the day, it's it's been a really fun partnership working with this guy.
4: Yeah, the, the crazy part was that you know I was I was running Pike Brewing mm-hmm. Company down at the market at the time. And we were right in the pandemic. I think that, you know, when we opened here was September 2020. So, you know, eight months after shelter in place, like it was right, right in that time. And so I was kind of in that weird thing where I didn't know what I wanted to do. And this opportunity came up. Like he said, we met a couple of times and it just seemed like a great opportunity. My experience was always in high volume, beer focused uh, uh, spots. So uh, for me, it was a perfect fit. And uh, yeah, we went for it. And it it really, really, really worked out.
3: Yeah. A lot of passion for beer, a lot of passion for food and and a lot of passion for sports. And I think that's kind of was really the premise of, of what we wanted to build here it was something for the community, something for the local uh, Seattle community here, right on the edge of Queen Anne Hill uh, blocks from the Climate Pledge Arena. We knew that we had a really cool opportunity to do something amazing. And uh, it like Gary said, it was kind of a no brainer. Um, we did have to work through the pandemic. We had to work through some other variables, but at the end of the day, it was, it was a, it was a great endeavor for both of us.
1: Yeah. No. Was, was there any point at that during the pandemic where you're just like, Oh man, this is crazy. What are we doing here? You know, no,
3: there were, there were many points. There was a, I mean, we had a couple times we had a, we had to shut down and reopen, uh, more than
4: once. Yeah. Two, uh, two months after we opened, we had to shut back down that, that oh, man. December, January time. And, uh, it was actually a godsend. We had actually a chance to like think about the menu and, Think about what we were trying to do and we were so excited. So uh, it actually worked. We brought yeah, back the right people that we love. We were able to hire the right people. Um, if you've ever been here, our team is just incredible. I mean, like from our servers to our bartenders to our, our chefs and our cooks and managers, they're just really great. And so we were able to, because of the pandemic, actually build that team slowly, um, which is, was incredible. It was great for us.
1: Yeah. So it's been a few years now, Uh, thankfully, not as many concerns with the pandemic stuff. Um, But in that time, you've really gotten to know the Seattle sports scene in a way that maybe not a lot of people have. Um, It's just the beer hall is a central place for really any kind of sporting event that's going on in Seattle. What have you seen and learned about Seattle as a sports town since taking over the beer hall? And, And what makes it a really special and unique sports town?
3: Yeah. Great question. I'll, I'll give my version too. And I'm Gary, Gary very has a different perspective, which is great, but yeah, I, I grew up in Seattle. Um, I grew up with the 79 Sonics being like world champions. And that was the, 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 the pride of Seattle at that time, Lenny Wilkins and that whole crew, um, growing up through the nineties and the Mariners, um, the, 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 the reemergence of the Seahawks in the early two thousands when, when, uh, when Paul Allen stepped in as an owner and what we've had there. So Seattle is a, is a sports town. Um, And we saw this really weird thing happen um, in in early two thousands with the Sounders, you know, this kind of minor league soccer team that had this fan base. And all of a sudden the MLS comes to town and to see that, that, that transition from really kind of a, you know, obscure sport in this community to now all of a sudden this huge fandom around the Sounders. And I, and I, and I think that has a lot to do with, why hockey ended up landing here in Seattle. But um, we've got a great fan base here. Um, you know, we, we may not be as, as old and storied as like the Philadelphia fans or New York, but, you know, we still have a, a massive history here. Like I said, going back to the seventies with, with some some really big franchises and, and uh, it's exciting. It's, and what, what we've watched from a hockey perspective has been really cool. I, again, growing up here, my high school was like the host high school for the Thunderbird players. So hockey's always been around in the community. There's, you know, I've had friends that have played. Um, so it's kind of been this underground sport here. But again, when when the, when the team, when the city announced that we're gonna have a franchise, like all these closet fans, NHL fans kind of came out of the woodwork. And I mean, you see it, you see it every day. You see it on your show. We see it here in the beer hall. I mean, they're, the pe- people here in Seattle love to get behind their teams. Um, good, bad and different for, you know, we, we get called fair weather fans a lot, but, you know, that's, I, I, you could say that about any city. Of course, when a team's hot, everyone's excited about it. When they're not, people kind of kind of shut their mouths and, and and put their head down and do whatever else they're doing. But it's been really fun watching it from 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 this seat. And obviously Queen Anne, we're right in the middle of a lot of things happening here. And, you know, we see everything from what's going on with the future of potentially Sonics coming back to town. You know, we, ha- we have some connections with the Mariners, the Seahawks. So it's really fun seeing all that come through here. And, Again, it all comes down to the fans. There's a ton of fans in the city, and uh, they love to support their teams.
4: Yeah, it, it's funny because uh, we're a little bit unusual in that people that come, There's a lot of people that come here that that didn't like that didn't really support many teams or didn't or weren't huge fans, but they know they can come here and have an incredible time with 300 other people and have it, You know, when we saw during the Mariners playoffs, the Kraken playoffs last year. You know, we have of course we have all our core Kraken fans, the ones that have season tickets and in those we saw people that were just buying brand new jerseys and outfits and coming in just because they knew we, they wanted to celebrate and watch a game with like, you know, watch a, a game with three or 400 other people. And that's, just been really cool. You know, the Seattle storm has a game and we're filled with 300 storm fans, right? Like, I mean, it's, but it's amazing. Cause they, there's a place to gather. Um, I remember the super bowl last year, you know, we were full. We had almost 500 people, not a single football Jersey. It was just people who were like, I do not really watch the super bowl, but if I want to have fun today, we're going to go to the hall. And it was crazy. I mean, we were packed. So that's the cool thing about for hockey is, and I hope that your listeners forgive me because I didn't watch hockey two years ago. Like I was just never. A hey, hockey there are
1: before. plenty, plenty of our listeners that did not watch hockey yeah, two so years now, ago.
4: Now I'm all over it and I love it. And that's, I think that's what, that's when we talk about becoming a hockey town. I think that we have a, we have a part in that because we have a place where uh, people who don't have any experience with hockey can still come and talk to people who do and, and get excited and, you know, when we hit that button and the lights go off and there's a goal, like it just gives people chills and, they ha- and, and they're sold. Right. And so I think we should get a percentage of the merch. Because <laughs> 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 I, I think that we, we're making a lot of fans out here, too.
3: We, so. We're very invested in the experience. And that's something that both Gary and I like hold very, very dear. And like how we approach game day and, and everything we do here down to, like you mentioned earlier, our team, our food. That's, I think, incredible. Um, the things we do, the sounds that we play. Um, the music that's on when you come in here, uh, everything, every little detail, like we want to have this amazing fan experience because every every time you get to experience that, you have this this core memory that now exists within you. And I have those core memories as a kid. When I when I first went to my first Mariner game, first time I saw King Griffey Jr. hit a home run, all those little things, you know, build, build this kind of like long-term fandom in you. And we get to be part of that. And that's what's, re- I think, really cool. And it's really special that that we get to offer that to, to so many fans. Their first hockey game, um, all the things that, that, that happen here. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. How did you craft that experience? You talk about the game day experience. And when I think of watching a hockey game at the Hall, I immediately think of that goal light that goes off. You've got the goal horn. You know, you've got every people up on the tables during the playoffs. You know, you had Jonathan up in full goalie gear on the tables. Like, yeah. How did you craft that? hockey watching experience because it's something that you know a couple of years ago didn't really have any experience with or, yep. or anything but how did that all come together because it's a unique experience watching a game at the hall versus really anywhere else
4: well I mean the, the first part of that honestly is the building right I mean the building is made for that uh the, the space and the open the, the high ceilings and and that kind of thing so that was one of the first things I thought was you know we got to get some lights we got to get you know a buzzer you know we, it's just we it's funny, when you just I get together, I don't know if you can tell, <laughs> uh, but we just go crazy and we have ideas and we text each other at three in the morning, you know, hey, I have a crazy idea. It's just what it is. And so that was kind of that we started building that experience and making sure that, you know, I mean, if you've ever been here in between periods when we play Sweet Caroline, you know, and you have 600 people, you know, waving their beers and, and singing at the top of their lungs, it gives me chills to talk about it. Like it's that, it's that fun. It's a really cool, cool experience. So now we have the button for the Seahawks. And we have, a, we have sirens for the storm and we have, you know, we have so we, we really try to add to that all the way. So
3: yeah, it's pretty it, cool. It's been intentional to a degree, but a lot of it, RJ has been organic. Like, you know, if you build it, they will come. We've, we've kind of created this venue. Um, but a lot of these things happen in real time, you know, and like you mentioned, Jonathan, like some of that wackiness that comes off, it's <laughs> just how we're feeling at that moment. And then something becomes a thing you know, Sweet Caroline, we just, I think it was one time we played that and everyone's singing along. We're like, that's, that's staying, you know? And <laughs> so I just, I think a lot of it is, it's, it's been organic and it's just kind of grown over time. And again, a, a lot of it is the fans too. The the, 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 hall stars that come in here, you know, every, every week for the game, they, they bring that element to the standing on the tables, the pounding, all that stuff. It's just kind of happens naturally. It's what, what people do when they react to, just to, to live sports and, yeah. and, and that kind of entertainment. We're lucky
4: to have eight hundred pound tables too. That, that helps a lot to have tables that'll support people. But no, Juice and I we get together for dinner once a month just to talk about music. Yeah. And we we literally name songs that we need to play during in between periods. It's it's funny. Like yeah. it just uh, yeah, we we love that experience stuff. So,
1: yeah, you see the kind of thought that goes into that. And yeah, you do need sturdy tables at the hall. I've seen some <laughs> things at the hall. You need sturdy tables if it's Jonathan or Bowie hopping up there. Yeah, you can't have any kind of light tables. It'll get you in trouble. Now, from your viewpoint, I want to talk a little bit about Seattle kind of becoming a hockey town. We touched on it a little bit earlier, but like from your viewpoint, how has Seattle become a hockey town? Because you've got to witness this whole transition from before the team even arrived, before the Kraken even arrived. To the inaugural season which you know didn't go that well on the ice to the big playoff run last year where they're within a game of the conference finals and everyone's excited for that you know what what has that transition been like for you guys following it the whole way i
4: mean the second the second season was a big difference you know the first season we had a couple the first game we had a couple uh radio radio stations or news channels come out and then we really didn't see them most of the rest of the year you know they were on there in during the sports on the news they would talk about the kraken uh, the second season was just different. You know, we suddenly, we started playing really well and, and, you know, uh, NBC and AB, they'd be here root sports would be here when we hit the playoffs, you know, that first, uh, playoff series, when we were on ESPN, like every single day, you know, and it, and it said queen Anne beer house, Seattle, Washington, and the crazy people screaming, um, that leads to hockey town. I'm telling you, like, it was just exciting. And we were getting texts from all around the country. Oh, we just saw you on TV. You know, we saw you on ESPN. Um, so the media had a lot to do with getting our, our town excited and, you know, doing that. Like I said, so many new people come here that want to experience hockey for the first time. And um, it's, it's been a total trans, trans, transformation, I think over that last season.
3: Yeah. Hockey is clearly an amazing sport. Uh, the NHL has got an amazing product and for, for cities that don't know it or fans that haven't experienced it. I mean, it, it is something special, whether it's live or on TV um, the way that NHL has their expansion draft. And the, the, the success of the Golden Knights, that clearly paved the way for, for some Seattle fans to get excited because you see a team completely non-existent, you know, one, one day to being in the Stanley Cup finals a year later. Um, I think that got a lot of hope here. And, and for us to be able to be, like you said, a game away from the, the conference finals in our second year. That's incredible. Um, you don't you don't get that in, in in the NBA. You don't get that in, in NFL. You don't get that in MLB. Um, we haven't had expansion teams in a while, but you know how those those teams get beat up for a decade before oh, yeah. they become any any relevancy. So I think just based on that alone, it's 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 really cool that the NHL enables that kind of you know that kind of uh, startup from a from a new franchise, um, and that's I mean b- beyond that, you know, as, as Gary mentioned. Um, just having the massive, you know, I think interest in, in sports that, that just exists here in Seattle and in hockey in general, there's, there's just, al- there's always been an underlying hockey, uh, uh, culture here in Seattle, um, in some places more than others, but it's, it's definitely emerged, um, quite a bit. And, you know, people, I think once they experience it one time, uh, my kids included, my kids, you know, they're young, but they, they would rather go to a cracking game than any other event. They love it. They they beg, you know, to for me to get a ticket and take them, um, because it's such a fun fan experience. Being in the arena, um, the, the the product that the NHL puts together um, between periods, everything. It's just it's just a lot of excitement to it.
1: Yeah, hockey as a sport. I mean, it kind of sells itself. And I'm so I'm interested with you two personally. I know Gary was talking about you know, maybe a couple of years ago didn't really know hockey that well. What is it about the sport? that, that really kind of hooked you and got you into it. We've asked fans this We We've had like our, our release the fan special. where We'll bring fans on and ask them their own personal journey with hockey and what it was about that sport that just, you know, they fell in love with. I'm curious about your answers. I want to ask you too. What, what is it I, about hockey?
4: Well, I always ask everybody, do you remember the date that you figured out what icing is? That's the day you became <laughs> off. And some people, and most people say, well, I'm not really still sure,
1: but absolutely. I remember, so that's a good answer no
3: my uh i i guess there's a couple things and i mean let's be honest my my 11 year old daughter like the f- best memory she has going to cracking game was we're, we we, act, we were very lucky sitting on the ice and there was a fight in front of us and uh someone got their tooth knocked out and she she was so excited so let's be honest <laughs> Hockey fights are fucking sorry, can I say that? Hockey fights <laughs> are phenomenal. They're amazing. So I think that's one of the things that you don't get in other sports. But honestly, just the fast nature of it, the speed, the athleticism of those guys. Um, I, I love the the shots on goal when especially when when our goalies are defending that and, and the saves and just the way the fan gets involved, the fans get involved with it. Um but I think I think that's one of the, the most I think precious things about hockey is just it moves fast. It's constant. It's not a static game. It's never a dull moment. Um, you know, you can, and again, I love baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan, but sitting and watching a three hour totally different, yeah. baseball game, I mean, you got to be into the game and ever watching every pitch. And it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pausing and waiting hockey. It is nonstop. That puck is moving the entire time. So I think that's, uh, to me, that's one of the things I love the most. is just, just the speed of the game.
1: Yeah. We, we definitely hear that a lot. And, from you two personally to the city collectively, was there a moment when you kind of realized that that Seattle had fallen in love with the Kraken? And, and was there, it was kind of a point, yeah. you know, maybe it was at, at, during a game, during some kind of watch party, was there a time that you can remember like, oh man, okay, the city's into it now. No, I remember so, you and I yeah. talking
4: about that last year. Like it, 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 it just- so The difference for us here was funny because we're going to get that 400 people before a game, right? I mean, we have, mm-hmm. there's 18,000 people at the stadium, at the arena. We know we're going to get that crowd. And so what used to happen was at around 645, that crowd would leave. And then we'd be about half full with just folks that are here for dinner. And I just remember the month where suddenly those 400 people left and three or 400 people still then showed up to watch the game here that didn't have tickets. That was the difference to me. Cause you know, we know we're going to have people have tickets. So those are huge hockey fans. They're, they're crazy hockey fans, yeah. but they would leave and there'd be no one else here. We'd show the game. You know, but like it just, we didn't, and then when that happened, that was the transition to me. And it was probably midway through the second season, really. Yeah. You know, like we, okay. we saw
3: it in real time, like watch, watched it happen. And it, it was, it was really cool to see that. And it, again, it's, it's the, it's the game day crowd versus the, I want to come and watch the game crowd. And that's when you know, like, okay, this is, this is something special. Obviously, I think it was when, when we, we had that little win streak last, last season on the road um that definitely sparked i think uh wait a minute we're a legit team right now you know this is this is no longer uh just some cute little startup franchise like we're we're actually contenders so that was really cool to see
1: yeah i remember we had our watch party there for the chicago game the final game of that long win streak that was the nhl record setting game and it was just it was awesome at the Bureau. And, and I think they scored what, six goals in the first period or something too. And the goal light just kept going off and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is, this is what it's all about. Um, And
3: and I I, honestly, you had, you and your, 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 uh, your followers, your listeners had a lot to do with that happening here too. So like, I think the fact that we got a a front row seat at, at that kind of that turn of the fandom here. um, I mean, man, you, you definitely were we're part of that magic too man and and uh, just having the watch parties here again excited to continue to do that this next season it's going to be a lot of fun but uh, we definitely want to be the place to to do these watch parties that when 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 whether home or away that that we'll be here and we'll ready to open everyone with with open arms welcome everyone with open arms
1: Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that uh, this coming season also. So I want to talk about your relationship with the Kraken, because one of the cool parts about the Hall is that you actually have a relationship with people on on a lot of these different local teams, and the Kraken are no exception. Um, How did you become kind of a favorite spot for for players, wives and girlfriends, team staff? I I heard so much, even before we uh, started working together, from people around the Kraken about Going to the beer hall, I'd heard stories before that, and so it kind yeah, of was a well, natural thing to reach out.
3: Before the the arena was even done, um, I, I I was out trimming trees one day, believe it or not, and just was taking a break, standing on the sidewalk, and started talking to some gentleman that was walking by. Turns out it was the CFO for the for the Kraken, and we just started <laughs> chatting, and we're like, "Hey, bring your team down here, you know, come down and have a meal, and you know, get to know us." And they were all excited about it. And then I think once once Gary and I started getting to know some of the some of the people around the office and stuff there, we actually were you know maybe maybe slightly intentionally uh, we we brought some food up to them we we fed them a couple times <laughs> I think the you know the the best way to somebody's heart is through their stomach, um, but I think that's part of where where some of that started and just getting in, involved with the, the like the front office folks, um, from a player's perspective. Um, you know we've had a, a, a very variation of, of different things that have kind of come uh our way but i think one of those was just getting to know uh one of the one of the personnel uh that oversees all the players and kind of building a relationship there and his family and his friends um and once i think once we they, the the players a couple of them experience it here for the for the first time um they continue to come back the like you said the wives and girlfriends
4: the wags as we call them yeah
3: yeah, the yeah. wags—that's
4: a—that's a crazy thing. <laughs> you know, they're going to the, these games on Saturdays, and they all know each other. So suddenly, they—I just, just—they just started taking my cell number, and I would have, you know, on like a Friday, I would get all these different texts from from different, all these players' wives and girlfriends, and we just would put them all at one table, call them the wags. They would have a blast. Like it just was a <laughs> cool spot for them to come before the game.
3: And their kids. We had one of their one of yeah. their daughters. Who was whose daughter was that? Was was saying, "Let's go cracking on the mic." Yeah, I
1: I remember that. It was Yanni. It was Yanni, Yanni Gord's, Gord's daughter. Yeah. During the yeah, playoff the, the, game. The, the, I was right there for that. The, the so yeah. family comes in a lot. Yeah, the,
4: the gourds are, are, are big. And then uh, Grubauer is from Germany. Like, he loves all the German beer that we have are all his mm-hmm. favorites. So, you know, he's he's actually coming in uh, uh, on the 23rd to, to to kick off our Oktoberfest celebration. Yeah, He's actually going to tap the, the gonna ceremonial be, keg.
3: He's going to be our our, our uh, Oktoberfest chancellor. I think that's our official title yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah.
1: That is awesome. Yeah, no, definitely have to be there mm-hmm. for that. Do you know if he's going to be like wearing the the later hosens the traditional oh, outfit? Yeah, he asked
4: us if he if we were going to oh, be wearing man. it, which meant to me that he was going to be wearing it. So mind. <laughs> we got to get all these later hooked up. Yep. yep
1: okay, you, you got to get to the hall yep. for that. Everybody listening, I, I know there's quite a few people who be very interested to yeah. see that. That is awesome. So just later this month, twenty seventh.
3: Yeah, the 27th. We actually 27th. We can talk about it. We we wanna do a promotion this year, um, but for, for, for any game uh, during the first hour uh, of any game and we'll call it the groove hour and, and we'll 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 offer extend our, <laughs> our happy hour prices for, for an additional hour into the game. So um, and, and I
4: have a feeling for just a sneak peek, there's probably gonna be a button with some sound for that.
1: Oh okay. That. Okay. Love it. Oh, that, that is awesome. So, we, we heard, heard the story, and I was actually going <laughs> to, yeah, yeah, heard it here first. All the breaking, breaking news, news with this. News. I teased it on our last podcast, too. I teased, I'm like, there's something going on later this month that, you know, I'll, I'll wait for it to come out where they can talk about it. But yeah, yeah. I did tease it a little bit. So, now you all know, uh, get to the beer hall on the 27th. So, we talked about the story with with Yanni's daughter. That's one of the most adorable things that I have yeah, ever yeah, seen. Did. I was going to bring it up myself if you guys didn't. Um, but do you guys have any other like player or family stories? I guess ones that you can share. I know there's probably a bunch of stuff. There's, that there's some you that we can't,
3: can't share. share. Um, yeah. Let's just say there's there's been some fun memories in here with with some of the players. You know, one of the things that I think was shocking for all of us. You don't. You just assume a couple things. You assume when you meet these players for the first time. I went. And, I remember they all. Came, they all were in here one time, and and I, I went and grabbed a bunch of shirts out of our storage. And what I didn't realize is they're all like mediums. I, th- I assume they're all going to be <laughs> largest and extra large, but they're all like no medium, medium, medium. Um, but the other thing that was really surprising was the fact that. Um, there's a couple guys that aren't 21, and we just, you know, when you, you bring them in here, assume that, and all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute, you're not 21 yet. You, you can't, you know, they're not that. they were sorry, Maddie. <laughs> there was no underage drinking happening here. Don't. But,
4: it's, but the funny part is, they're also in a town that's not a huge hockey town, or it wasn't a huge hockey town. They're not recognizable. They're not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not. like, They're not walking into a space and everyone, you know, unless it's, you know, on a Kraken night. Yeah. But most people aren't going to know, and they're just, they're just 21, 22 year olds that are friends with our servers and our bartenders and. And they just come in and hang out and no one says a word, you know, now they're starting to now have to get some autographs and people will recognize them yeah, now yeah. and stuff. But, but it's just tough. Like, like he said, people think they're just giant guys <laughs> and they're not, you know, they're just.
3: They look really big with kids
4: the pads. Play hockey. The, yeah. The, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's one thing I definitely learned, you know, cause we go in the locker room, we see them, you know, just after they play and everything. And yeah, you, I remember at the team equipment sale too, and looking and trying to, you know, there, there were no shirts in my size for these guys, you know, looking for their, their surplus equipment or whatever. It doesn't we work had, like that.
4: We had to tell that we had to tell the wikis to stop coming in because the, the players didn't want to come in.
1: <laughs> oh, really?
4: <laughs> you the owners could be here in the same oh, time. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I suppose you're right. That's kind of funny. Um, uh, so that that is awesome. Um, so I'll 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 kind of segue in. Basically, the, we know the partnership with you know with uh, the Kraken, and we we saw you know I mean heck, when they're how did the um, the ESPN on the broadcast because during the playoffs whenever yeah. they flashed to somewhere that was you know just Seattle fans cheering, it was the beer hall. And, now, I, as and you the, mentioned the earlier, the I saw you saying, how did that come to together?
3: Yeah, all the, all the local networks, Root, Root Sports was obviously a big one. And, the, you know, their local base here, uh, ESPN's local affiliate was with, was with Como. And they literally would just, and, and I think some of those relationships started yeah. even during COVID, we were getting interviewed because we were, we were one of the places that was open. We had a large seating capacity. We did a few things where we were helping feed people. And we've done some, some, some other um, non-for-profit type events and, and, and fundraising stuff that got us some, some, uh, I guess some connections with the, the media, yep. which is always good. We, we love that. It's not, we don't do those things for that, but it's always a nice, a nice, uh, a nice gift. But, um, the relationships, I think Gary's, uh, you know, he's, he's on speed dial with a lot of those folks. A lot of
4: report. I mean, reporters mm. just text me. Can I, can I swing by today? Yeah, it's great. That particular mm-hmm. one with ESPN was really root sports. So they, they were covering everyone. They were, cov- they were actually covering that first round. And so they were here every single night. And I think they, uh, that to espn so we were super appreciative of them uh for doing that but yeah that was a, that was a fun one. we had people in canada calling us going i just saw your plays on you know just <laughs> really cool yeah. yeah you want that one shot
3: you and you're good and you know mm-hmm. if you put your camera here you're gonna get that that one money shot of the crown crowd exploding with the goal or save uh all that stuff and 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 fortunately for them they got a lot more than one shot they got they got a lot of footage and and it's cool seeing it now because You know, the the promos on Root Sports were, you know, every time it pops up on my TV, I'm like, there we are. So, yeah, it's it's kind of surreal, too. Like, you know, we had we literally had no idea this was this was going to be our future. Um, You can only dream. But um, just to actually see it, it's still surreal. And it's it's pretty incredible. It's been it's been a really fun, fun uh, experience to be a part of. And man, grateful uh, is an understatement. We're we're, we're blessed. We're really lucky that it's been as, as great as it has been.
1: Yeah. And having been there in person, I'm really glad that 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 moment that was captured on the cameras and everything that that was there for, you know, for people to see who were watching the game, who maybe didn't get to be at the hall there. Um, and I remember my dad texted me, too, and, and just sent me a screenshot. He just pointed me out as I was walking around the hall. <laughs> I was like, look, that's you. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty cool. So you mentioned those community events that you do. You do you know, a lot of charity events as well. And and um you partner with a lot of different areas of the community, which I think is really cool. And um, I mean, the one that I remember from last season, probably just because it was the most fun personally for me, was the chili cook-off, uh, getting to be a judge for that, which again, thank you so much. Whenever I get to judge a chili cook-off, that is like a <laughs> life-made. That's you know oh, you've made it. Cannot say no to that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, you, you like to do lots of stuff like that, and that's bringing like a lot of the local brewers together too to make their chilies and everything. What other community events and partnerships are you most proud of at the hall?
4: I, I can tell you, just to, to plug one that's coming up this week, um, I'm not sure when this will air, but like uh, on Wednesday the 13th, uh, we have a Mariners event that is uh, to, to raise money for an animal shelter in Okanagan, in Washington, they need money to, to, to build a shelter. Um, and we're going to have, I mean, the Mariners have a day game and they're all coming after the game. We're going to have, you know, Ty France will be here and Kirby and JP Crawford. They've all committed. They're going to come and sign some autographs and, and guest bartend and guest, guest serve. Uh, just awesome that we have a space that now that everyone's so aware of, that we can raise real money for, for something, right? You know, if, you're, if we were small, we don't, there's a limit to what we can raise for the community. And so for us, though, there's not. You know, we, can, we fit so many people in here and we can get so many people that are excited about donating and giving things. Um, you know, we've heard of Chris's crew um, that gets veterans, uh, disabled veterans, to the Kraken games. Um, we're we're one of their big sponsors, and we we raise money for them twice a year uh, with a with a huge event and raffle and stuff. And that's really uh, rewarding for us. Uh, but it's just cool to be able to have a spot that has that many people that has people that care and that want to that want to donate money and help the community. So
3: I, at the end of the day, that's really what it boils down to. That's there, there's some amazing big hearted people in Seattle um you know we 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 always kind of lead led from the the idea of like if we can help we, we will if we can participate we will um we've done coat drives blanket drives food drives um we've got our our three-year anniversary party uh mm. coming up on the 22nd gary is that right so, yeah and uh and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a fundraiser for for maui which again is is uh i think very fresh still in a lot of people's hearts and minds that what's happened over there and you know, there's still a lot of people uh, displaced and in need, so it's just, it, man, we've got a, we've got a, uh, we've got a platform here. We want to use it for, for, for the good of the city and for the good of the people, and you know, the fact that we get to do that is pretty special.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and um, so yeah, if there's any, you know, kind of charitable, like again, with with Maui, that you know, it's not something you necessarily saw coming, but you know, you. No have have a fundraiser for that and and just you know and, and think about that so you know that's that's definitely much appreciated in the community another reason we we're so eager to partner with you guys is just seeing how you're all about the community and, and doing that kind of stuff And it so comes from
4: us being grateful like like yeah. you said we're just so grateful that we're able to be in this position and and so many people come in and and spend their money here it's just it's a no-brainer to yeah. give back and I do that for
3: people, yeah. Yeah, but e- Ecliptic Brewing and, and Maui Brewing Company are, are are putting a beer together that we'll be able to serve here, and it'll be all the proceeds from that will go towards Maui Relief, and we'll do some raffles as well. I think we might even have some Kraken tickets to raffle.
1: So. <laughs> yeah. <hear> that, everyone. <laughs> yep. Hey, these listeners—they're all about Kraken tickets if they can cool. if they can get some Kraken tickets. So, lastly, uh, on a different note, but I I have to talk about the food. I mean, if if people listen to this podcast for a while, they they know how much I love the food. I always kind of steer it in that direction for a lot of our, our beer hall promos talk about all the great food that that I've had there. I mean, you clearly take a lot of pride in the food that you serve. It's not just, you know, a normal, stagnant bar fare. There's lots of different options, um, different things on the menu that come up even for limited times. Like, how do you keep the menu fresh and and keep building new things off of it? Well,
3: well, for starters, we're both total foodies. Like, I swear to God, I should be like 900 pounds the way I eat. I, I love food. Uh, always have. I love to cook. I love to eat. I love to go out. Gary's the same way. Um, so I think just that love of that was was one of the things that I think we both uh, that both connected us as well. But I think that's part of the passion of having this place. Is you know, yeah, sure, we could we could do a lot of things. Average, we can we can we can cut costs and go with in this and that, whatever. But that's not who we are. We want we want really good quality, and we actually love it. Again he told you about our 3 a.m stupid ideas man you should see our food (laughs) texts and pictures we share back and forth um but i i think the the one story in particular and i'll let gary tell it like we had we we said this and it was just kind of like the big bold audacious stupid goal but we're like we want to have the best burger in seattle and and not just say it but actually back it up and do it and we stated that right out of the gates like that was our first like Kind of like, like I said, big, stupid statement that we're going to we're going to have the best burger. in And, Seattle. It, and it
4: is pretty stupid because there's a lot of great burgers. You know, it's pretty tough to be to be that we and when we decided a smash burgers, what we wanted to do. We knew that smash burgers had gone crazy in Los Angeles. Um, and that was kind of it was a just kind of the hub of where that was coming from. And So we grabbed our chef and the three of us flew to L.A. and we spent three days and two nights uh, in in Los Angeles. Uh, I think I think we had 27 different burgers. <laughs> all um, wow. only ate for three at, days. At the first three, we actually <laughs> used to get three burgers. By the end, it was one burger, everyone <laughs> take a bite. Like it was just so fun. Um, and uh, we talked to line cooks, we took videos, we talked about buns, we talked to owners of those places. We went to all the very best highly rated smash burger places and literally talked to people and came up with the best meat combination. You know, we have 70% brisket, 30% chuck, with a specific grind that is perfect for smashing. You don't know what a smash burger is, that lacing on the outside, you smash it into the grill so it gets crispy on the outside. Um, And we came back, we came up with a great burger sauce, and we put this burger together, and we still cry every time we eat one. (laughs) Like literally yesterday, we were like, I mean, they're just, it's the most incredible. Oh, look, we have one right here. Oh,
1: look at that. There we go. Look at that for those watching on YouTube. It's 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 not a
4: huge burger. It's a a four ounce um, thin smash burger. With a small bun, it's perfect. It's just kind of the perfect burger, you know. It's just a, it's just gooey and ooey and, and amazing. So that's kind of how it is, you know. That, that's we were that dedicated to doing that. We were really lucky because we had we did have a pretzel recipe, um, that that was here before we got here. Um, we have two full-time bakers uh, on on staff that bake pretzels fresh every day from scratch. Uh, so those awesome. Also, when people see that big fresh baked pretzel come out um, with our homemade cheese sauce. Like those two items are like really the feature items that we have. And then we throw all the other stuff on there too. And, um, we're, we We love our food. And we, that's the biggest comment we get is that people love our place, but when they have the food, they're like, I was surprised because I was expecting, you know, mozzarella sticks and, you know, and frozen chicken wings. And it just, it wasn't that way. We were expecting pub food and it wasn't, you know, it was, it's, it's actually locally sourced, um, all made from scratch We're pretty proud yep. of it. And we're going to be, and we're taking that same concept to our new location. You don't, can I, can I mention our new location? Go so, for it. Go yeah, for it. They need to know. we putting our second location um, in uh, downtown Kirkland on the waterfront. Um, it's going to be incredible. I'll, I'll just can actually talk about that real quick. Yeah.
3: Like, I, I'm. I, that's, that's the city I was born in and where, where I live now. Um, so it's been a lifelong dream to have a place there. And obviously uh, we've been again, very fortunate with the success here at Queen Anne. So we want to, we want to capitalize and, and help bring that to, to Kirkland, to the East side. We get a lot of East side fans out here on the West side, but I'll tell you, it's a 45 minute commute. It's not easy every day. So we're really excited to have a place over on the East side that people can can frequent. Uh, we'll bring our greatest hits over our burger, our pretzel, our cheese curds, our wings, some of our really great dishes, but we're continu- we'll are we continue to, to, to innovate and refine our menu. Um, that's one of the things I think I love the most is, we're all, like I said, we come up with ideas, but it's, it's all about, you know, what is a beer hall? What is, what is the, what is the, what is the, the type of food that is like, that, that's the cool thing. Like we don't really have a, we're not painted into a corner or we have to fit into a box of what kind of food we offer. Um, you know, I think originally it was more kind of German based food, which we still have. We, we, we pay some tribute to some, Really essential uh, German foods, but like the, the beauty is we we've become this Northwest beer hall. That's kind of our that's kind of our vibe. That's kind of our shtick, which which enables us to do a lot of things. We can have an amazing burger. We can have an all you can eat crab night. Um, we just flew in a, a two hundred pounds of Hatch green chili from from Albuquerque, New Mexico, or from from Hatch, New Mexico, I should say. And and we roasted them all last weekend and, and made a, a, a litany of different dishes with Hatch green chilies, and people love that. That's that's what's fun. We get it. We kind of get to an experiment and. And, uh, that every idea we've had has been great. You know, the, the marshmallow <laughs> peanut 20, butter burger may not have been awesome. 20% Ooh, okay. of them.
4: It's good. We have a lot of, um, yeah, we have a lot of, yeah. so it's going to be exciting. We're excited for Moss Bay. It's going to be Moss Bay. It's going to be called Moss Bay hall. Uh, we're looking at somewhere around mid November or so. Um, so check, you know, look at our social media and check it out. I do know one thing for your listeners that live on the East side, we're, we are going to be the place to watch the Kraken. I mean, there's just no doubt, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, are Might be a button to push once in a while with a couple of lights as well, you know, so we know we're going to be that exciting place because we do need that for away games and home games and just a place for, for Kraken fans to be so. I
3: think I, I think there might need to be a watch party sometime at some point there, RJ. Maybe. maybe. Yep, I
1: was going to mention we're we're looking at having a watch party really soon after the new location opens at yep. the new location. So that's going to be really fun. Um, I, if you're on the east side, I mean, make sure to check that out. It is going to be the place to watch Kraken games out there. Uh, so check that out for sure. Um, thank you, guys. For for stopping by and talking about the beer hall, talking about crack and hockey. This has been so fun. I mean, you made me so hungry with all the food talk. I think I need to go have some lunch real quick of that burger there that needs to be it, it eaten. Literally was totally
3: not planned. It just that was my lunch order and it, it just got <laughs> delivered. Like perfect timing. <laughs>
1: Yep, it is It is almost noon. So it is definitely time to go eat now. But thank you guys for, for stopping in. Thank you so much for being a part of the ECH community Got for it. allowing us to do what we do. Um, Dylan and I are just so, so grateful for that. I mean, uh, it, we, we couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much. And, and well, thank thanks you. for stopping by. And uh, we'll talk soon.
2: Thanks, cool. buddy. Hey, thanks.
4: Appreciate RJ. it. Yeah, Bye, everybody. One. Thanks.
1: Hey everyone, before we go, we just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our awesome patrons over at
0: patreon.com emeraldcityhockey especially our Terror of the Deep patrons. Absurdly Sane, Alex, Andrew, Anonymous, Ben, Brad, Burnt Krem, Kaylin, Chris, Cody, Connor, Coop, Daryl, Denise, DJ Singletone, Duthin, Eli, Elizabeth, Evan, Habak, Gaby, Gary, Gregory, Harry Legionary, Jay, Jane, Jeremy, Jessica, Joni, Joseph, Josh, Joshua, Katie, Keegan, Kepler, Kitty B. Kraken,
1: Leanne, Light, Lonnie, Mark, Maya, Michael, Michelle, Noah, Nori, Nunya, Paige, Paul, Rayanne, Rebecca, Ryan, Sarah, Scott, CA Kraken, Sean B, Sean O, Sergey, Shannon, Shoeshine, Skeletal Tendency, Steve, Steven, Striatic, Hasty Kobold, Team YMIAT, Tank Commander Ty, Wendy, Strife, and Zane. Thank you so much for making all this possible. We really appreciate your support.